Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We're co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How's it going, Andy? Hey, it's going well. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. We are on episode seven of season six of Cheers. This one is titled The Last Angry Mailman. So we know that it's a likely to be a cliff story. <laughs> it was written by uh, Ken Levine and David Isaacs, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired on November 12th of 1987. And the episode summary is that Cliff and his mom are at odds about selling their family home to developers. Cliff is first in favor of progress, as he calls it, until his mother guilts him with nostalgic reminiscences about his growing up in the house. And so his mother is against development until she's offered $250,000, which makes her, in her own words, rich. Um, Apparently rich enough to go to Florida, which is what she has wanted to do. Meanwhile, Fraser learns from a colleague that went to college with Rebecca that Rebecca had an infamous nickname, Backseat Becky. After teasing Rebecca about the nickname, the gang, particularly Sam, is wildly curious about how she got it, and Rebecca states Sam's curiosity by telling him a steamy tall tale from her college days. We start uh, in the teaser. Norm is, well, first of all, Carla is lying down across three bar stools, and Norm is holding a ring tied to a string over Carla's pregnant stomach. And they're saying, going back and forth on, you know, saying girl or boy, trying to predict the sex of the baby. And Cliff jumps in to ask if they're trying to still figure out what sex Carla is. Which I thought was a good... <laughs> that was He got a good line in there. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, he did. So Carla tells him they're trying to figure out if the sex of her babies. It goes back and forth if it's a boy that goes around in a circle, it's a girl. And if it just dangles there doing nothing, it's a clavin. <laughs> so she kind of got it back. Mm-hmm. And then Woody steps in. He says that back on the farm, what they would do is hold a freshly laid egg over a woman's stomach. If it dipped down, it's female. If it's not, it's male. And Norm asks how often they predicted the sex of the babies. And what he says, never. It was to predict the sex of the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow they had to have a pregnant woman for this. I thought that was really a fun twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you? What did you think of that? I, I like the teaser. teaser. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked that Cliff got a little line in there. She got a little witty retort back. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I just like the visual of her laying on these bar stools and Norm over Norm, her just yep. dangling this little little necklace thing. I, I thought it was fun. I did too. And you know there's a story of how they got to that part too. So it's right. kind of fun to wonder about that. And then yeah. Woody with another another farm boy story. So I thought that was good. So I Classic it. moment. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. So this episode consists of two stories. Um, one that starts when Fraser comes in, and then the second that starts when Cliff's uh, neighbor comes into the bar. And they're really fairly discreet. There's not any connection between them. So we're just going to talk about, I would say we'll do the Cliff one first, mm-hmm. if that suits yep. you, and then go through the Rebecca one. Um, sure. Yeah. And then if there's any sort of thing that you can think they have in common, maybe that'll come out in our discussion and we can talk about it. But just felt like it might be a little more cohesive to do that that way. Sure. So the first story is um, starts with Cliff is talking to his neighbor, Jim McNulty, about selling the house. So this neighbor, Jim McNulty, comes to Cheers looking for Cliff. And I, I remember him asking Woody something about, is, Mr., is there a Cliff Clavin here? And Woody wants to know why or who or whatever. He's like, some people mm-hmm. don't like you to know when they're in a bind. Of course, he already knew that Cliff was there. <laughs> right, so, right. And Woody does the same thing later on. So that, that's kind of a funny thing that they bring back, I guess, for Woody. Um, but Cliff and this Jim McNulty exchange barbs about 
Jim McNulty having his Christmas lights up and says, you know, we need to take the Christmas lights down. And he makes a barb about Cliff having garage sales every weekend. So it's already a contentious relationship. Jim wants Cliff to sign a petition to agree not to sell the house to developers. And Cliff tells him that new development increases property value. He's pretty dismissive. He just kind of throws the petition down and, you know, yeah. it's fairly insulting <laughs> to him and says he wouldn't sign the petition if Jim beat him senseless. So then Carla swings by and says, like, it may be too late. But let's give it a try. Let's give it a good try. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Jim tells Cliff he has no conscience, no sense of community and no interesting in, no interest in keeping their neighborhood beautiful. So then Cliff jumps in. He says, if you want to beautify the neighborhood, why don't you stay indoors? Like, he just can't <laughs> can't let it go. He has to be insulting. No. And Jim says, at least I don't live with my mother. Which you could think would might upset Cliff. But he does come back. He's like, I don't blame you. I've seen your mother. So <laughs> he gets in some good ones. And Jim says, my mother's a saint. And Cliff's like, yeah, St. Bernard. <laughs> so then Jim comes after Cliff. He runs away. So Cliff can stay in it for a verbal sparring but he runs away when he's gonna have to physically Mm -hmm. fight so a little bit later on in this storyline cliff and his mom are having dinner at home and in my opinion the 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 best part of this is that we get the history of yorkshire pudding and kind of learn that cliff is picking up some of his trivia at least some of his trivia from his mom Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um cliff's opinion it's a real delicacy and she says that it was Yorkshire pudding was invented in the late 1770s during a beef shortage in England. And she goes through that. And Cliff's mom finishes and he says, you wonder why nobody asks us out anymore. So it's interesting that Cliff is the more socially acceptable party of these two. I got to say, and we'll Mm. talk about this, on second viewing of this episode, particularly the the storyline, I caught up. I caught a lot of her character that I had Hmm. kind of missed before. She has a real... She has an edge to her as a mother. She has this oh, real, yeah. this real, and we, we, we got a little bit of that in her first appearance back in, I think it was season four, mm-hmm. but um, you get it much more spelled out here. And I got to say, I kind of enjoyed it. Did you? Okay. That's <laughs> interesting. Mean, just, it, well, it was interesting because she kind of presents as this very matronly figure. Right. And I'm not saying she's not, but... She also has, you know, like when they're looking through the the photo book and everything that the Mm -hmm. scrapbook, you know, he makes comments, she makes comments. She kind of has this sarcastic side to her that I really, I really enjoyed. (laughs) The sarcastic side, I think I like, but it's like she does present as this kind of innocent person that doesn't get out much, lives at home, her son lives Mm -hmm. with her and so forth. But it's the manipulation part of that that I find somewhat disturbing after a while, you know, <laughs> that she is that way. And yet she's just completely, right. you know, just fairly controlling. Yeah. They start discussing the house. And this is like the it goes a little a little long, in my opinion, although I'm curious mm-hmm. if that's just my you know perception. Because Cliff, you know, again, is all for progress. He's dismissing the homes, time to move, whatever. And she is, has signed the petition to stop the development. And so she's making him look through the scrapbook and she calls the scrapbook, you know, she's like to look through the scrapbook, the misty watercolored memories of the way we were. <laughs> and it's the way that she says, it's like, misty, I can't, is that the way we yeah. were or something like, mm-hmm. so I have always, that's from the song, the way we were, you know, the Barbara Streisand song. Mm-hmm. But whenever I hear any of that or think about it, I always hear it in Cliff's mom's voice. 
right? <laughs> Which is not at all how it sounds in the song. So mm-hmm. but that was this is a fun way she did that line. So he's looking, you know, through the scrapbook of his upbringing and most of which seems to be rather awkward. I think there's a comment about his ears and about his acne and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then at this point, <laughs> for some reason, it took me until this point to notice that Cliff is still wearing his postal uniform. Like he even had like when he was doing the dishes, he has his apron over it. You know, so he had it on at dinner. He has it on right. through the, the evening, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a funny touch. Um. So anyway, there's this uh, tree named Elmer that they're talking about that Cliff has nurtured since it was a sapling. And, you know, his mother's telling him about how they're going to tear Elmer down and so forth. And so this is what convinces him. It's almost just like an immediate switch in his mind that convinces him to protest the selling of the house to developers. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the scene, it's very heavy with Cliff's mom. And it kind of, in my opinion, makes Cliff look weaker or buffoonish i don't know what did you think because i think your comments about his mom's character may make me like it a little bit more well i mean i i think it's a matter of how deeply you really want to look into it i think well i enjoyed first off how they presented it you know she's giving this trivia and then the idea that he might be you know just taking it from her and presenting it in mm-hmm. the bar as opposed to his it's not his knowledge it's hers i kind of like I, that idea i do too and that was that he. And then there's a the next scene where he kind of echoes that same Yorkshire pudding fact to them. But yeah, first off, yes, the scene does go on too long, and it, it, there is a point where it kind of feels like the writers are very much writing to fill time, and mm-hmm. they're giving all these one-liners about, oh, here's here you are in this picture, here you are, and it's they're not bad lines, but they're not really necessary lines. They just keep yes. going on and on. It goes way too long. But throughout that, I did enjoy, I just thought there was this sort of sardonic, sarcastic kind of edge to her. You know, mm-hmm. he, he makes a comment about how she says, oh, there you are in the closet. You were always hanging out in there. And then it, it kind of pauses for a minute. And it's like, is this a joke about being in the closet? And then it turns into, well, you, you locked me in there, you know? And yeah. It, it's like this, this kind of, oh, you, oh, she locked, you know, I don't know. It was just this, it kind of kept you on your toes a little bit, but I thought about in terms of relating it to Cliff as a character. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, it put him in the, it doesn't make him look good necessarily. I agree right. with that, but I don't know. It just kind of gives texture to it. The fact that, you know, his mother was kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say a bully. I don't think that's true, but I I don't know if I I would say that word is is fitting, but you know, she was a tough woman. She was a tough woman and and she might be responsible for the way he turned out. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just leave it Uh, Yeah, that is interesting because (laughs) she's locking him in the closet. That's like mildly abusive. You know, she's like how polite you are or whatever. But you Mm -hmm. do sort of see like maybe he's better adjusted than we think he is given what he's come from. Right. You know, and it's done in a comical way, but maybe, yeah, there's more, I guess there is more character to that than I'm giving it credit for. Having. It's hard to know. It's hard to know because, you know, it's one of those like, okay, is he telling the truth? You know, was, was it, what's a joke and what is right. exactly? I, to me, I found it a little hard, but if you take it at face value, okay, yeah, she locks him in the closet. Okay. Yeah. That's probably, that is borderline abusive, you know, if it was not a game, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's just, it's hard to read because it, you know, you don't expect a s- kind of innocuous sitcom scene to go there you know and, yeah and then leave it kind of unresolved but i don't know all i will say is i just thought it was a little refreshing to find a sitcom mother older woman that was not portrayed in the way that because you know i feel like when we see cliff talking about her to other people when she's mm-hmm. not around 
kind of portrays her as this helpless old woman, you know, like, oh, I got to go home and dinner for her and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And she's, she's not. I mean, she's got this kind of, she's got more going on, you know, and then when right. she decides, not, not jumping ahead a little bit, but she decides, okay, I'll sell the house because it's, there's a dollar amount that she hears and she's yeah. like, okay, you know, and all the memories are gone. It doesn't matter. She wants the money. Right. <laughs> so it's, I don't know, it just, it had a little more, a little more layer to it than I feel like some of these roles get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's the scene coming up after he's the little bit with him repeating the New Yorkshire printing trivia, which kind of solidifies mm-hmm. the suspicion that his information, his trivia is coming from his mom. Then she comes in and she's saying she won't take any offers on the house. And the man, I guess he's a lawyer, I don't, I don't know, with her offers are $250,000. And she just immediately, you know, changes then and takes the offer. <laughs> At first, she, you know, Cliff is protesting that a Clavin can't be bought, and she's <laughs> signing the paper. She says she's only a Clavin by marriage, so <laughs> she's just done a total one eighty. Yeah, uh, I was, and so as an aside, I was thinking about this dollar amount, and it, it varies the estimates they got. But if we look at nineteen eighty seven versus now in twenty twenty two, it would be worth about six hundred and fifty two thousand fifteen dollars, is what I found somewhere around there, in the the six fifties. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. It is interesting. So that gives what, a little I don't, more, like, you know, sense of today, like, what, what the, the temptation would be, I think. Oh, sure. Yeah. For I mean, it, it looks like a pretty big house in the Boston suburbs. That's I don't true. know how much houses go for out there, but I don't yeah. imagine that's or that far off. Did at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Cliff is going to borrow money. And the thing is, he tried to borrow, like, a down payment from Norm, and Norm says something about, like, oh, you never paid me back that million you borrowed last week. <laughs> you know? Like, no one has... <laughs> $50,000 to give him for this house. Right. So he runs over. He tears up what he thinks is the contract his mother just signed. It turns out to be the lawyer's grocery list. So he's just, he's whining about this. Kind of understandable, but you know, he's going on about it. And he says his mother was talking last night about how much the house meant to her. <laughs> she said like last night she was poor and tonight she's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that cleared that up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now she has the chance to go to Florida. So there are a couple things about this. Well, first, okay, so, yeah, she says to go to Florida. So this part reminds me in a different way, but it's ever so slightly reminiscent of Coach's fiance Irene, in season mm-hmm. three, just, like, around the issues of money and what someone has the opportunity to do and so forth, mm-hmm. I thought. Mm-hmm. There's a little hint of that. You know, like, I didn't think this was a possibility for me. I think it's done in a much more flippant way here, but it still reminded me of that. Right. I can see that. Yeah. And then when she mentions Florida, Cliff, who spent season three – you know, basically expounding on the one thing to Florida. <laughs> derives exactly. Florida as a, a sinkhole, or stinkhole, that's what he calls it, a stinkhole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of season three, they really were consistent in that. He just, anything time something came up, he would talk about Florida. Mm-hmm. There are all these yeah. ramifications of his visit to Florida, you know. And, and so there's like, a, another kind of juxtaposition, that the fact that he, you know, is all down on Florida, and then that's like her lifelong dream oh, to go yeah, to Florida. Oh, yeah, yeah. As yeah. though it's another country or something. But, you right. know, like that is that's where she wants to go. And I don't know. It's just kind of a, a nice little layer to the two of them. It is. That's a good point, too. So she says she's doing this for him as well. He's 39 years old. It's time to cut the cord. Just a good point. I don't know you know, how how compelling it is in the story. But, I mean, she is correct, probably, if they've been living together all that time. Can we just stop and elaborate, though? You said he's oh, how old here? 39 is what she says. Okay, 39. Okay. Yeah, but still, he looks a lot older than He does. He does, I think. <laughs> I'm like, you're how old? <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
anyway. It's interesting. No, people that, I mean, they looked a little older than they do now, I think, at mm-hmm. the same age. But he does yeah, look quite true. a bit older than 39. Yeah. Yeah. So Cliff declares that he is not leaving the house. And then as she is leaving, he yells to his mother. She can't make it on her own. He predicts she'll return after a week of cooking her own meals and what is it, like doing her own dishes and washing her own hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's over the kitchen sink, but still. <laughs> it's a little, a little, a little odd. odd. Yeah. Yep. And then they have this little shot of Sam and Norm watching the display with some sort of skepticism. What they're learning about Cliff. A little time goes by. Cliff has said he's not leaving the house. His mom comes back in looking for Norm. And this is the other instance, I think, of Woody saying, like, what does he say? He's like, does he know you're looking for him? Or something like that. Is he... Right, like he he, he stops like, her or something, and then she's like, "Never mind, I see him. Like I'm just gonna <laughs> bypass you and go right through." Right, yeah. <laughs> he's the gate. Woody's the gatekeeper in this one, and so she tells Norm that Cliff has locked himself in their house, which is scheduled to be demolished that day. So they go to the house. Cliff is handcuffed around one of the support beams. Norm is yelling, which can't be heard over the construction noise. And when the noise stops, <laughs> you hear Norm yelling, "The world's biggest ass." I loved that bit. That I love how they, he's just, you know, flying around, his hands going crazy and everything. Yeah. And that's what you hear. I, yeah, that was good. That was good. So Norm goes off to find a chainsaw. Um, and Cliff and his mother have what I said was another long emotive conversation about what the house means to them. Yeah. Yep. Maybe I'm missing something. I think it's just I'm not tuned into that sort of thing i don't know no i'm but but you're not wrong i mean it is long and it is emotive and it is a little a little saccharine um i i agree with all of that i do you know especially by this point in the episode it's just i don't know it's it's not it's not a bad story and and i will say when i rewatched it for this i don't know it was a little more appealing to me the second time around it's not a bad story it's just not all that interesting i guess you know like and this leads me into kind of you know what you told me and i think we've mentioned on the show when Diane left and we brought in the character of Rebecca, season six onward, the show becomes much more of an ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. And you've seen a little bit of that so far, but I feel like this episode, you really kind of get a glimpse of what that might look like in the future, right? Because you have this, mm-hmm. in the early on, you have this big, long scene with Cliff and his mom in their home, which we've never right. been to before, right? I mean, it's, it's this new setting and everything, and it, it kind of, it's not bad, it's not wrong, it just feels... I don't know. I, I guess a little unnecessary. I was kind of wondering mm-hmm. where they were going to go with this and if it if it lived up to its total potential. I don't think it quite did. Right. But it was very interesting. And I liked the fact that, okay, we're really stepping out of the bar. We're kind of exploring okay. these other characters and yeah. storylines. I'm not saying this one hit it out of the park, but I could see maybe down the road they get some more opportunities for it. Yeah. And I think the way that you connected that, like the relationship to Cliff's character you know, even as we see him in the bar, I don't mm-hmm. know that they did the best job of presenting that, but that that right. makes sense. It's interesting, and it's you know a lot of things that they do they develop without calling attention to him. And overall, I do like that. Yeah. So Cliff and his mom decide that together they're going to fight to save the house. So they're both on the same page. And at this point, Norm has a chainsaw and he's sawing the beam through to get Cliff out. And Cliff's mom says they're going to get a lawyer, but first she's going to treat you boys to a popsicle. <laughs> And then as they leave, the house collapses from the severed beam. Mm-hmm. And Cliff exclaims, they got a quarter of a million for this dump. So he's got over that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just said that to me. It went, I don't know. It went on a bit, and it's just that humor of the house falling apart doesn't. Yeah, me, that. I guess, so. No, I, I agree with that part. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like okay, you know, it falls apart, you know, a beam, whatever. But yeah, it, the whole storyline is not. It's not bad. I do want to make that clear. It's not yeah. bad, but it's not very engaging, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the most engaging part for me was just how we kind of got to learn more about his mother yeah. and their relationship. I did like that, as as we've said. But beyond that, the, the second plot, which we're getting ready to go into, was by far the more enjoyable one. Oh, yes, yes. And I would say, too, like it, this gets Cliff to whatever the next stage is going to be in his life. Like, his mother is going to go to Florida, she said, you know. But mm. it's almost something like we didn't need to see all of that to know that this is going to happen, I guess is how I would true that yeah very true all right and we can of course like at the end discussion if there's anything else you may have some other thoughts on that but we will go into our second completely separate story which is backseat becky (laughs) so the episode actually begins with fraser coming in and and sam asks him how things are going he talks about the current state of the psychiatric profession with divorces and hopelessness over financial situation and rabid paranoia and that he's thriving, never better. <laughs> you know? It's very Frasier. And then he gets into this report from a colleague of his um, that went to college with a Rebecca Howe at the University of Connecticut, and that she was known as the party girl on campus. And Rebecca is obviously not in the conversation at this time. So all the guys doubt that this is the same Rebecca Howe. And I think Carla, doesn't Carla say something about Miss Granite Panties? Isn't that yes. what? <laughs> They're all making panties. comments about her. Mm-hmm. And Cliff says, he, you know, he's just like, oh, it's, what was it, us quiet reserve types that when popular, properly stimulated turn into a churning hunk of burning funk. <laughs> uh, and then Norm, I love this line. Norm yeah. has a great line about, uh, I, I want to quote it, but I might mess it up. Uh, some, like, at, at what point did you come to that fork in the road where... Uh, reality went this way, went left, and you took a hard right. right. <laughs> I love that line. That's yeah, so that was really good. I almost think that the reactions to some of the things that Cliff says, and like really across the episode, aren't as funny as the reactions to him at some points. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and that was yeah. certainly one of them. So in the next bit on this story, Rebecca comes in. She asks about business, and Sam says they're talking about where everybody went to college, and he says college after a pause. Where everybody went to college. So she already has this skeptical look on her face. And she's also skeptical that Sam was discussing this. Like you, you know, in college. And he says he was wondering what it would be like to go to college. (laughs) Uh, And then, so they're going on. And he asked Rebecca where she went to college. And I love the way that she replies. The University of Connecticut. Yes. (laughs) Does the same pause. (laughs) And then everybody is like, not exactly hooting and hollering, but they're definitely exclaiming, like, oh, you know, and chuckling and so forth. And she's just got the, the, the expression she gives, like, of bewilderment, like, what? Yeah. You know, I, right. I liked her, her face. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good expression. Norm tries to explain, she, she asks, like, some, she asks some kind of question, and Norm's like, oh, not at all. And he tries to explain that they're all such big fans of their football team, the fighting insurance salesman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's what he came up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a little bit later on, Fraser comes in again and he's just positively bouncing down the stairs to get in and tell them this information. And he says that he learned Rebecca's nickname at the University of Connecticut was Backseat Becky. 
did you notice how agi- like I don't even know how to, I guess it's agitated Sam is like Sam is just beside himself with his yeah he really is because he's not like he's not laughing he's not like and he's he was not, like lusting but it's somewhere in between that yes yes I don't it's, know how to it's an it. odd it, I know and I wasn't quite expecting his response to be that mm-hmm. and I had to kind of think through what was going through his mind at that because it's not like I don't know he's not laughing he's not like oh my god we got something on her you know it's like yeah. it's like like very pensive kind of like mm, it is but it's almost like he's like oh i don't know how to like it's a little bit just like i don't know he can't quite take it from a standpoint of yeah again like lust but at the same time he's puzzled and intrigued yeah exactly and i think exactly and i think it plays off really well when you consider how we end this subplot yeah and how she kind of uses that but you're right i mean he is kind of like this like i'm very turned on by this yeah that, <laughs> he's that, that, like, that's kind of like that but not exactly yeah yeah like he's just gained this like, huge oh. insight into her and he's like oh uh-huh. man <laughs> it, yeah yeah <laughs> what do i do with this right <laughs> the, his well this is probably for later as we go as we see them going on but that's kind of it it's the intrigue but the intro just all of it just interesting reactions i think yeah they're two interesting characters together because of that so Sam is, you know, intrigued and, and and otherwise. Woody wonders what it means. <laughs> he just doesn't understand it. So Carla explains that it means that she likes to do her cushion pushing on four wheels. That's what he says. Um, which begins the first of many euphemisms about cars and sex and all their mm-hmm. you know double entendres that they came up with. So Rebecca at this point comes out of the office into the conversation. And it's interesting. She's kind of like late to the party both times, like when they're talking about the University of Connecticut and then this time, you know, so she walks in while they're talking about her again. And she asks why they're laughing. And this, I really, this, I think this part is, it's just, it's funny. It's well done. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's, they're talking about nicknames and ask if she ever had a nickname. And he, again, he kind of mentions it in the same way that he was talking about where everybody went to college. So she says, no, she didn't have a nickname. And Sam's like, not a Sparky or Lefty or Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> and she's sort of, I don't even know how to describe her expression. She says no and rolls her eyes, but it's sort of in a good humored way. You know, she's like, sorry, or something like that. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, Sam tells the guys that they all need to give Rebecca a suitable nickname. And he goes through her, her quality, something dignified, businesslike, and reserved. And I noticed that Norm has an amused look on his face for his part in this. He just looks amused. And Sam asks the group for suggestion. <laughs> they all call out, backseat, backy. Oh, she just back- drops to the drops floor. Drops below the bar. Mm-hmm. And then Sam says, that works for me. <laughs> and then Woody, it's perfect that he's just pouring a beer going about his work and he's like, I liked Bubba. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> So Rebecca thinks they know the whole sordid st- story, and Fraser says, "I'm like, actually, no." And she snaps back a lot. It's because there isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What oh, I kept thinking good. about throughout this whole interaction was if Diane were in this story, mm. and Diane was the one who was, you know, backseat dry- Diane or whatever, yeah, yeah, and how she would have reacted, and it would have been hmm. so much more histrionic than we got with her. Because, yeah. you know, Rebecca's like, she's embarrassed. She is embarrassed. She drops below oh, the bar. Yeah, yeah. But she collects herself. Mm-hmm. And she, she listens to the barbs. And she doesn't get all like, like I think, how Diane hysterical, would have been. Right. right? Yeah, she doesn't get hysterical. Or she doesn't, reprimanding you know, them. 
Exactly. She's like, okay, well, I'm going to get a good natured, you know, beating on this one, basically. And you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, I liked how it was. She was kind of cool and collected about it for the most part and just kind of played along a little bit. Yeah. I thought that was endearing. I do too. Because they're coming up with (laughs) all these comments. Like, Sam starts to sound sincere in his first comment. And then he tells her he needs an expert opinion to buy a new car. Like, what model do you think has the best for your shocks? (laughs) Carla asks her if she's driven a Ford lately. And even Norm, who, like, is her friend now, says, like, she gives me meaning the term four on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And even her trying to explain this to them, it's like she's already fitting into the conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just that she's the butt of it at the same time. Right. So she's she's really shy in college, so it's a joke her friends called her backseat Becky. (laughs) And they're all like, "Mm, no, 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 no. nobody believes her and Carla volunteers like wait I believe you us virgins have to sleep together <laughs> she has her like huge pregnant belly together. <laughs> right. that was a great line that was great yeah <laughs> and as she walks off though she leaves in a kind of bit of a huff and she tells Sam I told you the truth which I thought was that was kind of interesting and she like is in her office for half a second and she comes back and has like another you know explanation she's going to try on them. She's like, the real truth is that she was really aggressive in college, a real go-getter, and never took a backseat to anyone. And Sam again is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, that won't work either. Yeah, I like this whole scene was just, yeah, was great. It, it was. It really it was, was. Just the banter, the interaction between all of them, just mm-hmm. all the little nuances in their expressions, like waiting for the, like, what, who's going to say what next, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, Rebecca. She doesn't really lose her professionalism, but it's a she's a little bit closer to being one of the gang because I think they have this information on her, you know. Right, and right, yeah. And then Sam at the end is just so amused by it, just kind of got her a little bit. <laughs> a little bit later on, Rebecca comes out of her office, and Sam refers to her as the ultimate driving machine. He's like, "Well, well, well." Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So she says she's going to tell him the real story, but in private. She pulls around the corner in the hallway and tells him this tawdry tale about um, this encounter with a fireman in the back of a convertible on campus at a time when I think it was like the women's dorm and caught on fire and she was mm-hmm. wearing a teddy and <laughs> the like what was it like the the fire truck's lights or the lights were turned on and she didn't know where to hide so she hid in this convertible and she mm-hmm. doesn't even go I mean she goes into some description but it's just really over the top about the heat and all of this mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so she's telling him this, and he is just visibly affected. <laughs> I like that. Visibly affected. He is. <laughs> That's a great I mean, way of putting it. I don't know how else to describe it. He's I know. Like, yeah. He wipes his face and neck. and Yes. He can't. See, she's like, at the end, she ends with, satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he just kind of nods. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. even speak. Mm-hmm. And steps into the men's room. And then she glances. I notice she glanced back toward the bathroom. And then she pulls a $10 bill out from her sleeve, <laughs> which I really thought was a fun, you know, addition. Mm-hmm. And she says, thanks for the story, Carla. Here's your 10 bucks. And Carla says a $20 story would have killed him. <laughs> so I, I thought that was funny, too, because usually mm-hmm. like see Carla and Sam that are in cahoots together, you know, and Carla's always going to take, she's always going to take Sam's side. But in this, I think she thought it was a little bit fun that they got Sam, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And of course, she got I paid really... for it, too. But I thought that was 
Right. The 10 bucks aside, they worked together. Mm-hmm. She helped her out, you know, and um, yeah, I, I really like yeah. that angle. Yeah. And so Carla wants to know why they call her Backseat Becky and Beck tells her that it costs you $100. And Carla says, hey, you know, you're kind of a pig. <laughs> and I notice Rebecca doesn't change expression. She's just listening no. to her. She doesn't care. And Carla adds, like, maybe we can be friends and laughs. Mm-hmm. It's just a good laugh, too, you yeah. know. And Rebecca yeah. kind of smiles and taps Carla's arm. I just love that. That's just so much fun camaraderie between those two. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that finishes that storyline. But it, that was a good finish. That really kind of came together mm-hmm. well, I thought. Absolutely. Yeah. I love how they just pull one over on Sam. And you know, know. it connects. He, he so just doesn't know what to do with this story from the beginning. When he learned her nickname's Baxi Becky to the story, he just doesn't know what to do with himself. Like, yeah. He, he's visibly affected. I, I think he's very, I think he's very like into that idea, you know, because he's obviously still intent on pursuing her. Right. He hasn't been let down completely yet. He thinks he still has a chance. And so he, you know, any, this new bit of information just kind of sets him off, you know, and uh-huh. he played that really well. Cause it's like, you know, what's going on under the surface. It was very, that's very yeah. Cause it's, yeah, he's, it's, He's obviously, like you said, kind of turned on by it, but he's also intrigued because it's another layer of information about her. Right. And he's still pursuing her, but he's kind of, I think, interested just in her generally as a person to a degree. Mm-hmm. But then he can't help but needle her about it. Like, he's also yeah. going to mess with her. Yeah. Which is against his interest if he really is pursuing her. Like, he, you know, you're, he's not going to... He's all Some woman that comes in the bar that he's going to hit on, he's not going to tease her that way. You know, so it's just it's right. an interesting combination of responses. Yeah, And she just gets him in the end. And the fact that Carla was the help with that is perfect, I think. I think very, I don't know, two very different stories. Maybe I'm not seeing some sort of you know, thematic connection between them. but No, I... I, I don't really think there is one. I mean, I can't really... I don't know of one. Yeah. Honestly, there are very two two very different stories. Hands down, the Backseat Becky is the better storyline. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's one of those where it does it. It kind of feels a little bit like you've got two in one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So And like no... Yeah, no real connection. Yeah. I don't know that that's bad it's not my favorite type of story but i know that's bad but then also i feel like the backseat becky story took up its perfect amount of time like it's just enough there's nothing extra to it right there's nothing really left out of it it's just really well done every moment is fun you know yes and funny completely and then the rest just had more like i would say filler in my opinion mm-hmm. filler content to it yeah it is so. it is filler it is basically filler content i think it had its moments i wasn't like completely repelled by it right but yeah overall it's definitely the weaker line the weaker storyline the backseat becky story is if you will driving the episode oh <laughs> That's good. Oh, that was yep. bad. Sorry. No, that was good. It's not that even was my good. Sense In a bad humor. way, it was good. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> not even my particular style of humor, but you know. <laughs> so with that being the case with these kind of two storylines kind of mm. running parallel to one another, what would you give this? What would your rating be overall? Because I do feel like that's kind of hard to, to, it is. to say. It is. It is. Because it, it's very dichotomous. I'm going to give it a two. Our discussion, mm. I thought about elevating it, but I really think like, some of the threes are so much more enjoyable to me, particularly this season, but I can't quite give them a four. Like some of the ones that we discussed, like I think like Paint Your Office, for example. To me, there's a lot mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. to some of that. Mm-hmm. I don't, 
don't know because the backseat Becky story is, is so much more enjoyable that I would like elevate it. But I just really don't think the Cliff story rises above that, and that is more of the episode. It seems like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I would have to give it a two because of that Cliff story. That's but fair. I'm open to having a change of mind. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not trying it's to change your one mind. Of the I mean, ones you know, that I don't yeah. enjoy that much. Right, right. I can the Cliff story, that. but really like the backseat Becky story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to diverge slightly from mm-hmm. you, and I'm going to give this episode a three. Okay. I, um, again, I, it does, it is filler. It does go on a bit long, but I did find myself enjoying some aspects of Cliff's mother, her edge yeah. to her, if you want to say that. I, I don't know. I just, I, I can't completely explain it. I can't completely defend it, but she's to. got snark. She's got snark to her. Yeah. I liked it. So that storyline was okay. The backseat Becky storyline absolutely elevated it. But overall, I was I was entertained pretty mm-hmm. much throughout. So I'm okay. going to give it a three. Okay. Solid three. I like that entertained throughout being a three. I, I can kind of, I can see that. And I don't know if I'm like biased by... And what I have in my head would be my, you know, overall ranking of episodes across the season. And I'm trying not to think that way, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I think I'm still going to have to stay, too. Well, but if you, I did, you, you who have seen the show before, you know what's coming up and everything. So you can kind of I know where this episode stands in relation to how you feel about all the other ones, right? And so, yeah, I, you I know, the yeah. star rating's always going to be a little bit how you interpret something what does one star mean what does two star mean what what adjective do you associate with a star rating you know like for me a five five is like stellar episode and i i think i've only i know we didn't rate the first few seasons we did this and we'll have to figure out a way to do that at some point yeah but i think i've only had maybe one maybe two five star episodes so Mm -hmm. far because five, I reserve for like this episode is one that I will watch again and again and again. Like it has to bat it completely out of the park for me for a five right. star. A four star is an exemplary episode, a very enjoyable, far above average. And okay. a three is more average. Like yeah. I enjoyed it, but it and it wasn't bad, but it wasn't standout either. Yeah. So. If an episode is a three for me, that means it checked all the boxes. It was good, but it wasn't like. Yeah. Okay. Stand out. I I think I agree with you on that on that uh, rating structure. (laughs) That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook Norm a Cheers podcast and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We're co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We're your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How are you tonight, Andy? Hey, I'm good. How about you? I'm doing well. We are on episode eight of season six. This one is titled Bidding on the Boys. It was written by David Lloyd 
It's directed by Thomas LaFaro, so not James Burroughs. Where's James say. at? I know, I don't know. And I didn't look into that. But it's a rare episode, um, at least at this point in the series, not directed by him. Hmm. It aired on November 19th, 1987. And the logline slash summary is that Rebecca hosts a charity bachelor auction at Cheers to raise money for Children's Hospital. Sam, who is confused that Rebecca did not and will not enthusiastically invite him to be in the auction, can't help but volunteer anyway and ends up being purchased by Lilith who's attempting to make a point with Frazier after Frazier mentions that he wants a prenuptial agreement. Woody also takes part in this auction, and his sincere description of a home-cooked Indiana meal attracts the attention and the bids of a rather aggressive chain-smoking and to the cheers guys, frightening Lady Barfly. (laughs) (laughs) So in the teaser, Carla brings Woody, I think she's come from upstairs, it looks like, she brings Woody his spaghetti dinner. He's digging into these noodles, and Carla sits down with him. She says his legs are killing her. And he's asking why. He's like spooning up the noodles and so forth. And she talks about um, her varicose veins. And she's already had surgery, I think, a couple times. And she describes it in detail. It's really, I'm not a medically oriented person. So it's kind of disgusted <laughs> me. Like pulling a long, slimy worm out of your flesh. Well, yeah. So Woody is not at all disturbed. He just keeps on eating the long spaghetti noodles. And at the bar, Frazier is reading, and he reads from the news, can you believe that postcoital tristesse is gender-oriented? <laughs> <laughs> and Woody shoves back his food and said, tells Frazier, Dr. Crane, and he's like, Dr. Crane, I'm trying to eat. <laughs> what was it? Probably doesn't Post, even... Post-coital, post-coital what? Tristesse. I think it's de- like depression. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got the, I mean, you know, it's one of those where you don't have to know every word to get the facts kind of of what he's saying, but I was right. like, what is he saying again? I didn't know what the, tr- I kind of was like, I wonder, I I wondered if that's what it was, but I looked up tristesse and that's what it is. Mm. So it's like. That makes sense. Postpartum depression, except it's postcoital, essentially yeah. depression. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Which is, I mean. Would Woody know what that is, first of all? And then also, it's a psychological condition. And he's like, oh, God, that's disgusting, you know, while he's trying to eat. I thought that was good. We start the episode. um, Rebecca is talking to Woody about having a charity auction, bachelor auction. Um, It's a benefit for Children's Hospital. And she's describing it as women bidding on an evening with an eligible bachelor. And you can kind of see, I think Sam is unloading some bottles or something of that sort. And he's already paying attention as soon as she starts talking. Um, I, I, I don't remember if it was when she said the bachelor part or just thought what it, what it was about it, but it has grabbed his attention mm-hmm. and they're asking like, well, how did you know about this? And cause she says it's like, they pay for an evening and it's a great deal of fun and raises money for good charity. And they're, you know, she says she might, Rebecca says she must've been to one once and they keep pestering her, um, about who she bid on. She keeps talking about something else and she finally admits a hairy linebacker. <laughs> And there's a line about, like, she's like, are you satisfied? And Carl's like, were you? You know. (laughs) (laughs) So they're already out of the gate with the insults and jabs and so forth. Rebecca says Mr. Drake thinks it's a great idea. That, of course, is what is important. And so Sam is insisting. First of all, he's a little bit, well, not a little bit. He's kind of chauvinistic. He said, what was it like when... If, doesn't he say something like if men bet on women like that's understandable but it's just sick the other way around yeah. or something yeah, like yeah. that uh-huh. yeah um, and no one's really paying him any mind about that 
And he insists Rebecca he's not going to participate in the act then the auction. And she says, all right, and goes back to talking to Woody about the logistics and where everything is going to be set up and so forth. <laughs> and he, of course, won't let it go. He's hounding her about why she didn't ask him. And <laughs> she says, you know, she doesn't find him as irresistible as some people do. You, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, mm. probably pretty true. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting, too, just as an aside, that, you know, we've seen these past discussions about how Sam kind of realizes that women are interested in him only for his looks. Like, that's come up in several past episodes. Both that that's the case and that he is aware of that. Right. You know, like, Diane has mentioned it a couple times. It came up, like, way back in season one. Remember with that, the younger woman that was the neighbor of coaches that wasn't interested in him? And Sam mm-hmm. was, like, with this kind of, like, understood that's what he had going for, all of this stuff. Um, and Rebecca is just not taken with him. <laughs> No. <laughs> at all and he does not understand why i guess yeah um and she tells him he's welcome to participate or not participate she does not care either way you know so he i think he's just not used to someone not caring either way no he thinks and then well, i don't want to get too far ahead but he, he's just insistent that this isn't right like she's she's trying to manipulate you know, his mind right? reverse psychology <laughs> yeah, or whatever yeah. on him yeah yeah exactly right uh, at this point fraser and lilith come in they're discussing wedding rings and Fraser said something about like the same rings, except that Lilith's, Lilith will have an exquisite marquee diamond to distinguish hers. So everything is kind of fancy, formal. And Fraser's going to go and get them some drinks and exchange some lines with his buds, is what he says. <laughs> and Lilith refers to this. She's like, ah, your daily dose of male bonding. It's like almost like she's just put together this puzzle of that's how things work in the yes. world, you know? Yep. And then he makes a comment about, like, not for much longer, how you know what, to breaking up that old gang of mine. <laughs> which, which, first of all, like, they live together. Is his life really going to change that much when they're married? Like, he's not going to be able to go to Cheers anymore. That's, right. you know, right. far-fetched. Um, the, the you know what, Lilith looks around at Cliff and Norm and suggests hypertension and cirrhosis. <laughs> So great. He does that laugh that he used to do back in season three, that old, like kind of almost silent Mm -hmm. laugh telling Lilith that she's irrepressible. Right. Yeah. So Frazier goes over, he's talking to Norman Cliff for playing checkers, um, about how this is, you know, they're gonna have to manage without him and so forth. And they're like, no problem, we'll do. (laughs) And Carla I think this is a good little scene with Carla and Lilith. Carla's like, champagne, huh? And she's kind of being friendly, like showing some sort of interest in her. Mm-hmm. And then Lilith launches into how, like, yes, romance is a fictive term, but they nevertheless humor convention by going through these preposterous rituals and so on and so forth. And Carla is just like, champagne, huh? <laughs> yes. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're kind of a funny pair, too, I think, Lilith and Carla. Yeah. And then she asks Fraser, when you and Lilith wake up in the morning, which one of you, the, which one of you is the first to scream, what have I done? <laughs> so Fraser and Lilith are enjoying their champagne, and Fraser is going through, they're talking, it was, they talk about romance, and Fraser says them how they have this lifetime for romance, but they have these basically practical things they have to do now. And he, one of them he lists is prenuptial agreement. And you just see her face, like, go stone cold <laughs> in the middle of that. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then she says something about, have you picked out my headstone yet? And he's like, assuming we stay together. And it was like right between me and cousin Lemuel or I don't know, some, some, something like that. And he's just very noncommittal. 
Yeah, because maybe we stay together. Like, this is just kind of, you know, maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't. So it's interesting because Lilith now thinks Fraser is too practical and not romantic enough. After her whole, whole spiel about, right. you know, their humoring convention and romance being fictive and all of this, she doesn't think it's romantic enough. So she actually kind of is a romantic at heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she leaves and she makes a comment about, like, what was it? Like, why don't you go and make love to your accountant? <laughs> Norm. Norm. He says, and that the world would be a much happier place if people took that advice. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, I mean, it's funny. It's, so it's funny, period. But it's also funny because you know mm-hmm. he's not at all participating in that type of thing. He's just like over there playing checkers every night. Right, exactly. <laughs> overheard the line. He's like, oh, that's a good that idea. That sounds like a great good idea. Good advice. Yeah. Solid, you know. Well, he wouldn't do it, but it sounds like a wonderful <laughs> idea. <laughs> So then we get to the part you mentioned when he tells Rebecca, he's like, I see what you're doing. You know, she thinks she's using reverse psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, I don't know, he really wants to be in the auction, but he mainly wants her to want him to be in the auction. Oh, it just drives him nuts that yeah. she hasn't asked him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she just deals with it easily. She's like, I just, I don't care. <laughs> don't care. And what was it like? She's never felt more dispassionate about anything in her life. Is <laughs> <laughs> she's, you know, stone cold when she says it. Yeah. You know, just trying to convince them. Right. But she just, yeah, really doesn't care. And he's like, finally, he's like, oh, you win. I'm volunteering. It's just <laughs> this big struggle for him. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Oh, God, that was funny. Mm. <laughs> so we get to the auction. Frazier is in the bar at the time of the auction. And he's talking about how women talk about romance. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no babe, just keep going. No, no. You'll get there. You'll get there. I lost it at a line. I lost okay. it at a line. If I don't, you got to, you get, you, let me know when I get there. Oh, I will. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> but they're, they're really interested in pure animal lust. Mm-hmm. And Lilith is there as well, which is interesting because it's like, she's probably not there with Frazier since they're fighting, but she has right. shown up for the event anyway, which I she's like. She's over at her little table she's, up on the higher end. Yes. Yeah. But she's kind of got her own thing going on. Like she's coming into the bar on her own. Mm-hmm. So she yells across the bar asking Fraser if that refers to her. <laughs> and then Sam asks if things are strained. But, you know, Sam, again, like caring about people's relationships. He's going to see what's going on, you know, which I always like. They ask oh, if yeah. things are strained between them. And Fraser screams that Lilith is a pig-headed witch. <laughs> he yells across. Is that what you were laughing at? That. Yes. <laughs> Not so much the insult, his delivery of it, the way he just screams it. That's what yeah. I lost it at. Right, because they're like The insult's not all that whatever, but right. it's the delivery of it that was witch. so great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, she's up in that that separate section at the top of the, like by the piano and he's mm-hmm. at the bar. Yep. And then right after that, isn't it Woody that asked something about, have you guys picked out a date yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not monitoring the tone. The whole tone. bit. I loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Rebecca worries that they're not going to make the auction gold. They've already, like, they've shown one thing, I just I guess to show us, like, how this proceeds. They showed, they've shown one, you know, man that we don't know that went through the auction process and whatnot, and they're taking a break. She's worried they're not going to make their auction gold. They're $2,000 short. And Sam is the only one left. So she just, she says, if only they had one more hunk. And Cliff steps up to volunteer. And you can yeah. see her, like, at first, her, she's kind of startled. <laughs> like, I'm like, like, deer in headlights, like, uh-huh. God, what do I do? And then she deals with it pretty deftly. I think she asks him if there isn't a regulation about government employees and uniform participating, this sort of thing. <laughs> and so Cliff is just like, he almost overlooked. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
I almost forgot that, you know? Yeah. She's like, I thank you. And he like sticks out his hand and shakes her hand. <laughs> yeah. And she just looks, she's like, looks really, you know? mm-hmm. I liked that part too. She just Me too. dealt with it. And I liked how Cliff kind of like, all right, well, you know, take one for the team kind of thing. Right. Like he reluctantly gets up from the bar stool and yeah, you know, yeah. And she's like, um, uh, she improvises. Well, that's one thing like, that I'm sure I will mention much going forward is like, that is her skill. I think is coming up with like, whether it's a great explanation or not. And this one really was, but she can really improvise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is her secret power. I think. <laughs> so, um, she encourages Woody to join the auction and Woody has to think about it, but he thinks about it for about two seconds and says he'll do it. So he gets up on the auction block and then he starts talking about this date with him, how it's going to involve him cooking a home-cooked country meal from his native land, Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> this is the line. Like, you were with a pig-headed witch. This is the line that I just can't stop <laughs> laughing about. He says something about, like, he's talking, he's like, my special ingredient, mm-hmm. pork. <laughs> pork. The way he does it with his hands. <laughs> and yeah, that was great. That's and great. all the women are kind of at first they're sort of like enthusiastic, they're kind of cooing and whatnot as he's talking, even though it's like you know home cooked meal from Indiana and whatnot. But they're just excited. He's cute and everything, and he's like his special ingredient pork. And everybody kind of looks askance, like they don't quite know what right. to make of that. You know, right? <laughs> I really like that. But they're still eager to bid. Um. Start at 100, and this hard-charging lady that's chain-smoking at the bar bids $200 on Woody. And you see Woody's face just fall. Uh-huh. <laughs> he takes a look at her. <laughs> he looks so she, scared. Yeah, because she's they're all like, 100, 150. And then she's like, 200. <laughs> yes. And then I noticed that Sam kind of like leans around to get a look at her, too. <laughs> yeah. I think that's another thing I like about this is like all the little expressions and the, you know, people trying to figure out what's going on. The bidding continues. The other women are still bidding. And then this woman at the bar bids $300 and shakes the ice in her glass at Sam for a refill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. And then you have Norm. Norm's like, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this isn't her first time in a bar. And yep. so it stops and Woody bids on himself. She's like, do I hear 350? And Woody's like, 350, 350. <laughs> <laughs> so this lady wins the auction. And, you know, when she wins, Woody kind of quietly goes over to and asks, how do you do? <laughs> and she replies, you better be good. <laughs> he just says, yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I like the, the guys teasing him about this was funny, too. Alan is like, cute little gal. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then Woody asks, is like, is she, isn't she a little scary? Or is she not a little scary? And Norm says the electric chair is a little scary. <laughs> that's our, uh, that's our first introduction to this woman. It's, that was, a uh, that was pretty funny. So this is a character played by an actress named Sharon Barr. Yes. I believe you have some info. Well, not much, uh, but I looked, <laughs> I looked on IMDb. Character. So what's interesting is, so her name is Connie. Now we don't, I don't think refer to her as Connie throughout this episode, yeah. but according to IMDb, her name here is Connie. Okay. I can see it. She looks like she could be maybe, maybe Connie. Yeah. I don't know. So she actually, the actress will appear later in Cheers, the final season. 
Um, not as this character, according to IMDb, but as another one. So, mm. you know, look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> she, it was interesting because when I looked her up, her, her like top credit on IMDb, I guess it's supposed to link you to like whatever you're most well known for, is for a one-off in Seinfeld, which, you know, as popular as Seinfeld is, I'm sure for some people that is their best known role. Um, She was a recurring character on a show called Max Headroom back in the late 80s. Not Mm -hmm. long after this, actually. Um, I've heard of the show. I know nothing about it. Yeah, I remember when it was on. I never saw it, though. There hasn't been a lot. I don't think she's acted since the mid-90s, according to IMDb, at least least in terms of TV and film. So not a lot there, but we Mm -hmm. will see her likes again. So there you go. Very exciting. (laughs) So Carla... Says Sam just has to reach sixteen hundred dollars to break the record. He's the last, um, the last bachelor on the stand. Becca is skeptical, and she says the day someone pay, pays sixteen hundred dollars for Malone, she'll tattoo his name on her butt. <laughs> She's gonna Carla jumps. I know. Oh, she, I love it. Yeah. She just jumps right up. I need sixteen hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so Sam is on the auction stage. They introduce him as former Red Sox great Sam Malone. And Carla and Rebecca are sitting at that front table in front of the little auctioneer stand and so forth. So he described, of course, like Sam is going to, you know, amp this up. He described, because this is, you know, this they, really like in his, this is his purview, let's say. Mm. He describes his date involving a leisurely drive to basically a secluded Oceanside Inn and a candlelit dinner for two at the Cape. And he adds some more, you know, qualifiers to this about the romance and so forth. Then he ends with this being the beginning of the weekend. Who knows where dinner will lead? <laughs> and I think like Rebecca kind of rolls her eyes, you know, in in a friendly way, but she's just like, oh. And then the, all the other ladies are squealing and so forth, you know. Um, the auctioneer wants to start the bidding at a hundred, and Sam just gives him a look. He's like two hundred and fifty dollars. I like that. Yeah. Come on. Uh, yeah, and the bidding escalates quickly. Like, they really get into this, the back and forth, and there are a few characters, you know, that we see bidding over and over on him. I gotta um, say, right off, though, this yeah. whole sequence, I just, it's rapid fire. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I really it got is. into it. It was so fun, the back and forth and everything. It really is. It's fun, yeah. and then just the way, like, what they, well, I'll get to him in a minute. Like that's just the way they juxtapose some of the things they're showing and the things that they're saying. I think are funny too. You know, because most of the time you see the women like jumping up and down and they're calling mm-hmm. out a price and so forth. But there's at one point, you know, you'll hear people making comments in the background. It's just, it's yeah, it's so well done. So they get to a point, six hundred dollars. Like get there quickly, and then it kind of stalls. So Carla bids. She's like, no problem. She bids to keep it going up again. And Rebecca's like, what are you doing? You know, and she tells her, like, you just have to goose it. And they, you know, these women will bid all night, basically. So she does the same thing when the bidding stalls at $900. She's like, all right, $950, you know. So bidding stops at $1,200. And Carla is just kind of like prodding Rebecca to jump in. So Rebecca gets excited. And she's excited, (laughs) I think, about getting the, continuing the money, like getting the bid going Uh again. Sure. So she, you know, she's clapping her hands and she bids $1,250. And then it's just like dead silence (laughs) and Sam oh he's like well 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 he's so amused by this oh yes oh yes and Rebecca is like do I hear 1300 and Carla gets up and leaves like shoots out the side (laughs) of the table 
And all of these women that were so zealous about betting back out, one of them is just like, not me. And then she's like, I'm out. And then they show Rebecca, like, she's putting her hand in her hand right when you hear somebody say, she wants it more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Love that part. That's great. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then mm. for the finale, Lilith, the auctioneer is saying 1250 going for the last time. And Lilith walks out from the back and bids $2,000. And minute. yes, and Frazier whips around with his yes. horrified look. It, he does those expressions so well. He too. does. Well, it was also perfect because you have the whole thing of like Rebecca thinks she's going to be on the hook for this, and then it's like twelve fifty for the last time. They show Lilith walking out and says like I bid two thousand dollars, and then they cut to Frazier's furious face, <laughs> and then they go over to Rebecca who is just beside herself. She's so thrilled. It's just like all of those little cuts just are perfect. Uh-huh. Everybody's yeah. expression about how this turned out. It was, it was yeah, like you said, it was just so much fun to watch. Yeah. And even Lilith's delivery, and she's just like, I bid two thousand. Like everybody else was all giddy about it, and she's just like very flat voice, business like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she bids. So Rebecca is on the phone. She's telling Mr. Drake about the success of the auction. And, you know, she's kind of bragging that Sam got $2,000 all by himself. So she finishes um, the phone call. And you could tell, like, just from her call that she's sort of, like, proud and smitten, you know, talking to Mr. Mm-hmm. Drake and so forth. Yeah. I thought she did that well. Like, just in the little bits that we get. Um, Carla comes up and gives Rebecca the information for the tattoo parlor. Yes. <laughs> With that, and she just hands in the card like, you know, you almost forgot about that bit, or at least yeah, I did, and, yeah. and it just comes right up so naturally. It's like, ask for, I can't remember the person's name, he does it the old-fashioned way, you'll scream a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Lilith pays for her bid and tells Frazier, um, he's asking about this, you know. She says she spent the money that she had saved to buy Frazier a ring. <laughs> 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 and he asks if she's really going to the Cape with Sam, and she asks if they had a prenuptial agreement to the contrary. <laughs> It's a good response. So Lilith approaches Sam. She's going to bring the car around. They'll stop by her place and she'll show, throw some things in the bag. And Sam says that's not necessary. <laughs> She's just like, she says she believes in being prepared and she hopes he does too. Yes. And then again, Frazier, who's like, he's almost like hunched over by the door with his beer. Mm-hmm. And he just whips around. He looks just apoplectic. Like he just can't believe... <laughs> She said that. Yeah. Oh, his reactions throughout this entire thing just add such another level to it. They do. They do. Yeah. So Carla Carla tells Sam he's going to get his lobster boiled. That's her <laughs> description. Um, and Sam says, like, oh, no, you know, Lil is doing this to bug Fraser. And then Carla suggests he trade with Woody. <laughs> trade dates with Woody. And at that moment, Woody's date... Makes kind of like a shooting motion, like gun motion to Woody, and then like holds the gun up like a gunslinger and blows out smoke. Which blows the gun. <laughs> yeah. That was remarkable. That was so good. Yeah, it really oh, was. God. I mean, that made the episode for that character, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Woody says, <laughs> he says he doesn't think her intentions are honorable. <laughs> So Fraser tells Sam he's losing Lilith. He's all upset that she's going to go away. And Sam tells Fraser, he's like, you know, you're my friend. I'm never going to take a woman away from you. And Fraser asks, what about Diane? <laughs> Sam says, like, and didn't God punish me with a vengeance? 
Just the way he <laughs> says that is so funny. It was a good reference to Diane, too. That they right. peppered in. So Sam's plan is to unite Fraser and Lilith again. He's going to rent the room, get some wine, and Fraser is going to come and bust it on them. Um, and Sam gives Fraser looks like it's a little matchbox with the inn's address. So this is, I guess, just something that Sam keeps apparently on hand. You know, you never know when the when the occasion you might. Go, you know, okay, right. Yeah. So Lilith comes in to get Sam, which makes me wonder, like, what are they going to talk about on the drive to the cave? And I guess we do find out later that they talk about Fraser, but at the time I'm like, you know, this is a little awkward. Like, what are they going to do in the right. car for an right. hour or however long it takes? At this point in the episode, I'm so intrigued to see how this is going to go. As, uh-huh. Again, some as a new viewer, yeah. You know, just the two of them, it just seems like I don't know what, what would pairing. they talk about. How are they right. going to interact together? Yeah, yeah. right. Because it's a very very unusual pairing, of course. Mm-hmm. So Norm and Cliff are sitting in their spots at the bar and they're observing Woody's date smoking. <laughs> I really like this little part too with the two of them. Norm says she smoked about eight packs of cigarettes. He asks where all the smoke goes. And then Cliff pauses for a second and says he's waiting to see where it all comes out. <laughs> hmm. Woody asks for last minute advice and Norm tells him to yeah, leave a trail of breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just the responses. It's just, it's just the way the conversation flows really through this entire episode from that last bit of the auction on, onward that's... It's just fantastic, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have something to say about that at the end, too. And like what we were talking about, like, with the writing and just the conversational style in this era of the show, I think. It's one of the things that makes me love it so much. So we're at the Cape. They show the exterior of the end, or, like, at least a, you know, picture of the exterior of the end. And it looks very much like the place where Sam went with his date when Diane showed up and interrupted them in the Cape Cad. Yes. Yeah, I thought Doesn't so, too. It? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought so, too. Yeah. And then the, some of the farcicalness, it's not the same content, but it's, you know, I don't know, it reminds me a little bit of that scene in the bedroom, you know, albeit well, that, the same as with the cell. But by that room, that room that they're in looks kind of like a, if it were flipped, mm. The layout were flipped. It's the exact same hotel room, I think. Oh, interesting. Style. Okay. I mean, yeah. the bathroom's on the other side, but you know, yeah. like, you could see it being on the other hallway, you right. know, across the hall from the, the one in the Cape Cat or something. Yeah. You know, where the layout's just parallel to that. And mm-hmm. yeah. So at the Cape, um, they're in the room. Sam is pouring wine for Lilith and he wants to talk more about Fraser. I like the way he says it too. He's like, quite frankly, I'd like to talk just a little more about Fraser. Like he's... Is, I always like when Sam has that sort of formal speech pattern because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like something that would be right. attributable to him. You know? Right. He's trying to do the right thing and he puts this this sort of seriousness on it, this yes. formality, because it's not his norm, right? I mean, right. it's not normally what he has to do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So he talks about how he admires Fraser's reliability. He's very punctual. And you can see he's like looking at his watch, wondering when Fraser is going to get himself up there. Which he makes comments throughout throughout this about the time. It's like, did they set back the clocks and not tell anybody? <laughs> you know, this right. whole thing. I can't quite figure out what Lilith has in mind, like, with Sam. And by that, I just mean, like, is she, you know, because she's kind of, in the next scene, she's sort of using him. But then right. I don't think that there's any other intention. But I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. So she's playing music and she's dancing around and... Sam continues enumerating Fraser's remarkable qualities and mentioning as well at some point in this that he's musical and so forth. Um, 
Lilith is turning lights off. <laughs> Sam turns them back on. Lilith says it's too bright. And Sam's like, talk about bright. Goes on talking about Fraser being bright. So Lilith is, you know, being seductive at this point. And Sam's kind of falling in. He's trying not to fall into it. He says, I should probably wrap up the date and head back. Because, yeah, I guess Fraser's not showing up and he's getting concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hopes she doesn't feel ripped off. So at this point, and she sprayed, perf- did she spray perfume on herself by this point? And she said something smell good, and he's like, I yeah. sniff him every time he comes in the bar. Yeah, well, she puts it, like, on her leg. Yeah. Like, she's, like, like on her, her leg out there, mm-hmm. and she's spraying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Lil, <laughs> I love it. Lil starts crawling across the bed, and Sam's like, oh, good, good, good. Check around the bed. Make sure you haven't left anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah, his reaction. That's, that's so much fun. So she grabs his keys and starts dancing and... You know, so forth. And then drops his keys down her blouse. And then she's on, the, is that, I think that's when she climbs up on top of the trunk or whatever it is mm-hmm. and is dancing around, <laughs> which is just a different side of Lilith, really, than we've seen before. Yeah. Yeah. And then she gets Sam to dance with her. And Sam keeps, at this point, making comments about the time again. And she's how does it start she says something about how she always has wanted to like unbutton his shirt or something so she's like basically undressing him which i thought was a it's a bit much but it does lend itself to sam's predicament in the end you know right because he basically she pulls down his pants and then fraser busts in at that point so i wonder if she knew that he was like fraser was imminently arriving when she did that i think so yeah, I mean, she pretty much says as much, doesn't she? She, I won't get, she, she says that she knew he was there. He was on he the way, her, on the way. But I think she probably wanted him in the most compromising of positions to get yeah. him the most ratchet up. You know, I yeah. think so. Oh yeah, I can I buy it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, Sam is like purely farcical. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's leaving with his pants. Wasn't like Fraser says something about like do me the honor or do me something the pulling up your pants. And Sam's trying to. He's just leaving with his pants around his ankles, though. And he tells Fraser and Lilith, stop sniping. They look ridiculous. <laughs> he shuffles on out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lilith and Fraser have this conversation. Lilith knew Fraser would come after him. And she said that she knows his mind as she knows her own. It's kind of... There are tender things about this scene. Sort of sweet. You know, talking about how well she knows him. And then she also says she could hear his muffler all the way up Route 3. <laughs> And she asks, or he asks why she did this. And he says it's a cruel joke on him. She talks about being angry and hurt about the prenuptial agreement. So Fraser says, he's, you know, talks about how he's seen so many failed marriages. And then he says he forgot he was marrying the perfect woman. Like he's very dramatic. He's very either or in his commitments. It's either like, oh, it may work or not, probably won't. So let's have a prenuptial agreement. Or like she's perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. That reminds me a little bit of Diane. Well, that's a good point, especially when you consider not too long, a couple episodes ago, basically, when he was willing to throw it all away for Rebecca, right? You know, hot and cold all over the place. Mm -hmm. That's what it seems like to me. (laughs) Lilith says that she didn't mean to hurt Fraser with Sam. And this is when I was like, didn't she sort of use Sam? Like, Sam didn't seem particularly to take offense at that. But it does seem like she kind of used him. But then I also go back to the beginning when Sam was being kind of a chauvinist. It's like, got a little of his comeuppance maybe in that regard. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think about what her motives were here. You know, I mean, 
she clearly was using him. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, I think. You know, it's it's Sam. You know, and Sam's also the kind who's like, well, he's not going to hold a grudge, right? Like he's not going to, right. you know, right. whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. And she wouldn't have known the part at the beginning, but it is an interesting little twist. I think that he then is like, okay, well, you know, you were then going to be in this role, the one that gets used to, you know, mend the situation. Right. So. She asked what took him so long. Frazier says he went to the wrong room when he first arrived and that they're having breakfast tomorrow with Jack and Peggy in number eight. <laughs> I like that little bit. I can see that. Nice and little... I'm paying. <laughs> and I'm... <laughs> right, right, right. So something happened there. Mm-hmm. And Frazier says, I do love you, you know, which is kind of sweet. But then Lilith says, like, and I, you, which sounds like something Lilith would say. It also says like something, sounds like something that Diane would say. Because I think there was a joke about how, what was it? Like, there was something about, when you dream about me, what do you dream? And Sam says something like that you wouldn't say things like N-I-U. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that's a good so, callback. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's all, like, yeah, there are a lot of like little moments about Diane in this, I think, mm-hmm. where they could connect to her. So Fraser and Lilith hug, and then they're kissing, and Sam steps in the door, um, and Lilith kind of holds out his keys, and he like pulls them off her finger, and then he just kind of like waves a thanks to her. <laughs> you know, he's like, thanks, and... He's not right. upset about it. She's trying no. to take himself back home, you know. Worst ways to spend a Friday night, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. I really, it just, the episode just has a certain energy to it. Just the propulsion through the entire thing. Absolutely. That I think works really well. It absolutely does. That, that's so true. And, you know, I feel like this is one of those episodes where it almost gets, it gets better as it goes along. Mm-hmm. It's never bad. And it doesn't start out slow either, but no, I don't know. I it just gets better and better as it goes along. Yeah. And then it kind of veers into the whole Lilith Sam thing. Um, right. You know, because you have the auction being the majority of the episode, and then you're thinking, how much more time do we have? And then all of a sudden, we're on this date at this end. So it does, I don't know, in a way, it, I didn't see it where it was going to go in that direction. Okay. Yeah. But it, it was thoroughly enjoyable. I, I really liked it. Yeah, that's a good point because it is an entirely different scenario, but it's like it has to lead to something. You know, there has to be some kind of resolution of that main storyline, I suppose. I will say the one thing I was slightly disappointed of is Mm. we don't we kind of leave Woody dangling. And I'm like, what happened on that date? Are we ever going to know? I mean, that that's the kind of thing that I'm like, I don't know what they would have done because the buildup is worth so much. I get that. But it's the entirety is the buildup, like the date. Yeah, exactly. There's, yeah. But I still kind of feel like, hold on. I remember getting to the end of that thoroughly enjoying the episode, but then thinking about Woody and I'm like, well, what happened to that? You know? Okay. <laughs> that's funny. because I, I don't remember. know. No, no, no. I understand that. Because it's like, it's a, you know, in a way it's a plot that's still dangling, but at the same time. I really, the buildup I thought was everything. Like, I don't remember ever thinking, like, I wonder what happened to Woody on his date. Because it just seems so ludicrous that he would would even go on this date. That's true. It's like the woman probably drank a lot and smoked a lot and forgot or passed out or something. You know, like, there was probably (laughs) some way that that date didn't happen. That's in my head. Absolutely. And that's not necessarily something that I thought of while watching it. It's just I really, that's, you know. That entire thing was about the comments and the woman. I don't know. It just it didn't, oh, it's true. It didn't bother me because I don't know how they would have given that an ending. Fair. Yep. Um, and I think it's a good as a as a supplemental little addition to the main plot. I think it's funny. It's good. You know, it mm-hmm. gives Woody some good moments. Yeah. Gives the uh, Norman Cliff some 
comedy, you know, carrying on about Oh, this no, it, it works fantastic in the episode. Like I said, yeah. my only thought was I kind of wish we'd seen maybe like a 30-second blip of them sitting at the bar after it's closed or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. just something that kind of says, okay, here's what happened, you know, but... Oh, yeah, like a discussion. You know, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it just, there's... Again, with the writing, though, like David Lloyd, a lot of his episodes just seem to have that whatever i don't know i don't know how to describe it like whatever that is that other layer to the way that the story moves because it's more than just the story like the plot it's more than just the characters there's just some other you know energy to it that just really well i feel really like races through the whole episode yeah yeah well it's rapid fire right it is. I mean, the dialogue is so good and it's so mm-hmm. so quick and i think that a, you pack a lot in it, and B, the lines are good, you know? And yep. it's just, it's so, you just have to keep up with it. So enjoyable. Yeah. And one thing I thought, I don't quite know how to explain my th- thoughts on this yet. And I think it'll, I think it'll become more apparent as we continue on through the series. But we're eight episodes into season eight at that point, at this point. And it's, in my opinion, it, it's kind of like at this point, I have a sense like everyone on the show is like naturally pulling the show in the same direction now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that wasn't the case before, but I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. And when if this episode, I'm like, okay, it's, it's kind of like you have a team and they're all pulling in the same direction and it's just going. Mm-hmm. If that makes some sense. No. Yeah. I mean, like I, I said, I'm, think... I'm, ex- oh, I'm, sorry. I'm just excited for what comes next. Cause I, again, have nothing to compare it to. I yeah. mean, Aside from, you know, what we've seen, but in terms of what's coming, I don't know. So right. I'm excited to hear you say things like that because I like the direction it's going. Mm-hmm. I really do. I mean, the, the, we've had some great episodes and we're only eight episodes in. So that's exciting for me. Yeah. Well, another thing about the story, I liked that um, Rebecca bidding where it mm-hmm. looks like it's going to hit a stalemate. And then Lilith outbidding her at the last minute it was a great sort of suspense build up. And then you yes. have this subversion of what the expectation is because it looks like Rebecca's going to win and you're like, what's going to happen with that? And mm-hmm. the fact that it's Lilith and it ties into the storyline with Frasier, I think is really well done. Yes, absolutely. And I like that all of the stories, all of like the little story threads come from the same main story. I tend to like episodes that go that way, that if they have diverse stories, they've all come from one big plot. Like there was this auction it filtered down like this and here were the ramifications in these different character stories mm-hmm. rather than just having separate stories right you know? yeah that's absolutely i like i also said i like that the writers and the directors gave lilith some space to carry the episode during her scenes especially given like bb newworth has only been on cheers how many let's, let's see how many times there's the very brief scene in season four two episodes in season five and then was there only We've had one. Two? This is is this the second one in season six? I think that she's been in second or third. Well, yeah, maybe just second because the was when she met Rebecca and did the whole yeah. previous. I think one. it is only the second. Yeah. yeah, and she really, I think, has a lot of clearance to kind of like develop that character and do her thing mm-hmm. and so forth. You know. Not just her behavior and her lines, but like her reactions to Fraser, like her expressions, all of those things seem very attuned. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so I like that they seem like they're like building her into like more of a character and letting her build that character. They put a lot of trust into her when you think about yeah. it. Because she's yeah. been in under 10 episodes so far, right? I mean, it, but she's mm-hmm. she has such a weighty role here. Yeah. And she's had weighty roles in episodes to this point, but... 
this one especially so, so much hinges on what she does and how she pulls it off and, yeah. yeah that's what i thought that's good Seems like this, I'm just, this is one of those words like are there other things that i'm missing that would be fun to discuss because it, it goes mm. so fast it seems like there's a lot to it i know even though it's i know fun. like i i just i i think it's funny back to the bidding you know the auction scene where everyone is so over the top and excited you know and mm-hmm. it, the whole that when they're just ratcheting up the bids and there's all these women who are like oh, do i dare ten thousand? you know yeah, whatever they say right, you know, they're all like oh, just yeah. so animated and so into it and and you get drawn into it you know and it's oh, it's yeah, yeah. That, I just really like how they played that off and how mm-hmm. they, they had these different women in there who were just extras or whatever. And uh, right. Yeah. I just thought it was so well done. The, yeah. It, it builds, it gets better and better as it goes. And mm-hmm. you have a great last act. And yeah, it was just such a fun episode. Yeah. And I think that too, that's a good point. That it's, it's a great last act, even though it's not continuing that energy that was in the bar. Ted Danson and BB Newworth. Like they they carry what like what they have to do like they do well you know mm-hmm. and they both kind of carry that energy forward I think. So what did you rate this on the one to five scale? I rated this a four. I really enjoyed it. I really okay. enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, again, as I said, it just got better as it went on, and um, I didn't think there were any really weak moments. I really enjoyed the entire thing mm-hmm. and. It's one of those that I feel like that the entertainment value is so high that I would easily watch it again. It was just it just yeah. had such so many great lines, so many great bits, so much to go back in and and rewatch and mm-hmm. definitely a four. Okay, what about you? I could, yeah, I could see that. I gave it, I gave it a very strong three. Mm-hmm. It's not quite in my four level of. I would certainly rewatch it. You know, I think it's a lot of fun. All the things we talked about, a lot of fun, the yeah. pacing, just the fact that it gets funnier and funnier. Like it's almost like your mood elevates as you continue watching it. I love that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't, there's nothing wrong with it. And like I said, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'd be hesitant to like, it'd be on the cusp before just because like I said, I really like also the way the plots all develop naturally from the that one central occurrence in the bar of the auction. Mm-hmm. I think that's very mm-hmm. well done. I don't know. I just I don't like really really just love any of it. I think that they're great lines. I really really like it, but there's not something like oh that's just the perfect thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Which I know is kind of like five territory, that. but no, uh, it's fine. I can I can see that. You know, I just I can, think I it's a see. fun story. It's really you know yeah nothing to complain about. I would certainly right. rewatch it again. Yeah. Fun. That's pretty much the best word for it. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.